so Arsenal pulled the plug on Unai Emery, allowing 18 months of insipid incompetence to wash down the drain. Emery's empire of empty engagements has ended and the severe saviour acquired to aid the abetting of Arsenal's ailing assortment of athletes has fundamentally failed to fulfil his affirmations of fame, fortune and flair. We were there at the Emirates last night to witness it as Frankfurt put the nails in Unai Emery's Arsenal coffin. This is what we said in the stands as the full-time whistle sounded. That is the end of Arsenal losing to Frankfurt at the Emirates Stadium. Sam, firstly, what did you make of that? Just insipid again from Arsenal. Yeah, not great. Um, It would be worth noting that the Frankfurt goalkeeper made about four amazing saves. Um, On occasions like this, when things don't go your way and the narrative is piling against you, it's just not going to happen for Unai Emery. No matter what he tries, it all seems to conspire against him and tumble around him. Dean, is this the end? I think ultimately Unai Emery's reign was masked really by that unbeaten run he went on. That unbeaten run was one of the most false things we've seen in football. Fair, fair play, they got the results, but at the time, none of us were convinced that Arsenal were the real deal, and I don't think even a lot of their fans were. And since then, when the results stopped working out, the performances were bad, and things have just got worse and worse. And you can tell from tonight how it hasn't even been toxic tonight, to be honest. It's been very lethargic and resigned almost. And I think that everyone, to be honest, is ready for the next the next manager to just come in and change things. So Frankfurt fans were not allowed into the Emirates this evening for the game uh, due to something that happened in a previous Europa League game. But probably about a thousand of them, maybe 800 or so, have managed to sneak their way in. Uh, and that's, that's them you can hear in the background. Yeah, that's them you can hear at the moment. They've basically occupied uh, the clock end middle tier, which is actually quite impressive. I think they might have all clubbed together and rented out a box to get in and circumvent the rules. And um, to be frank, they've outsung the entire stadium. And look, this is not full. This place is a third full. We're talking 20,000 seats. But uh, it's very indicative, isn't it, that these fans, 2-1 down to Eintracht Frankfurt, they don't feel like singing. They don't want to sing because they don't want to encourage this team. They don't, they don't want to see this team turn it around, and that's for one very simple reason. It's funny that Tottenham fans weren't ready for change, yet they got it, and now they're quite pleased for it. And Arsenal fans have been desperate for it, and probably, in hindsight, would have loved Mourinho to be here, to bring that winning mentality, to bring that ruthlessness to this team, to change everything about this football club, because honestly... Everything needs changing at this football club from top to bottom. Like from the Wenger reign to now, it's just got worse. And I mean, that's what happens because it happened at Man United and Arsenal were like, we can't let that happen to us. It has. And I mean, we'll never see it happen again in football because managers won't be in charge for as long as that. But ultimately, Arsenal are on the hunt for a new manager and whoever gets the job has got a massive job on their hands. It is it's something. I think something you mentioned to me during the game, Dean, was Aubameyang played 90 minutes in a Europa League tie where Arsenal have already qualified because <laughs> Emery wants results to try and extend his reign. That's part of the issue that we're seeing here. It's just a question of when, not if. Absolutely, yeah. I think that it's just been problem after problem for Unai Emery. He had the whole situation with Meza Ozil, mismanaged it as far as I'm concerned. He had the situation with Granit Xhaka, mismanaged it. He had the whole situation with the captaincy and mismanaged it. He's had the situation of 
picking the team to pick results and he mismanaged it. Every big decision that Unai Emery has had to pick, he hasn't got it right. Look, he looks clueless on the touchline. He has done for weeks now. I don't support Arsenal and even I was a bit like, oh, tonight. Their fans must just be like, just get him gone. So that was last night. Obviously, this morning, Unai Emery was sacked by the Arsenal board and Freddie Jungberg appointed as interim first team head coach. Dean, do you want to give us a bit of insight as to what is going down right now at the Emirates? Yeah, so Lundberg's going in as interim head coach. And to be honest, the fans are going to get their Arsenal back now. They have lacked identity. They've lost everything that they felt made the club what it was. And... I think Lundberg is going to bring back a lot of that. This is going to feel personal. The spirit of Wenger is going to be back. Wenger was one of the people that Lundberg spoke to before going into coaching. He was never really sure whether it was cut out for him. Wenger was one of the people he turned to. And I think that as part of that, even though Arsenal fans were desperate for Wenger to go, you need some of his policies and beliefs back in that football club. And Lundberg will bring that He has been at the club at under-23 level, promoted this season to first-team level. People around the club have been saying like he has such good personal connections within that club, especially with the young players. He's very good at man management. Um, He takes time to understand each player. He's also a realist about what the expectations of everyone should be within their roles. Um, Emery's big flaw was he could not communicate with this team. That's where all the problems really began for him, especially this season. That's when the murmurs started to come out and the players started to leak to their agents. The agents leaked to the press that like there was a breakdown in communication here. That will not happen under Lundberg. He'll fix that quickly. He's got great relationships with people inside the club, which Emery never built. There's a lot of people, I'm told, around the training ground that really didn't get to know him at all. So I think... From that perspective, it's probably quite easy to ditch him because there's no like personal attachment to him like there have been with Wenger, like there would be with people from great past eras at the club. And I think that ultimately Lundberg is very different to Emery. He's very likeable. He's very respected. Yes, it's a bit Solskjaer. It's a bit Lampard, but that's not a bad thing. He's not just getting this job because he was a good Arsenal player. He's a really good coach from what everybody is, is saying right now. And... The people there who make the big decisions totally trust him to save their season. In terms of, obviously, it's it's a short-term appointment. I don't think anyone is looking at this as the long-term future for Arsenal. Will Lundberg want that? As a you know, Obviously, we've seen Oli go into the, the Man United role as an interim and be given the job based on performances. Mm. You know, We're about to talk heavily about the favourites for the Arsenal job and who's going to be looking to, to take that on full-time. In your view, is Lindbergh in that mix or is this something that is very much a short-term solution? It's unlikely, but I'm not ruling it out because it just keeps happening all over the place. Um, there was talk initially about, you know, it's only going to be 12 weeks and all this kind of stuff. Like, from what I'm told, there's every chance that this is Lundberg now to the end of the season. Like, Arsenal needs to get this next appointment right. And because they trust Lundberg to see things through, like, it seems like they're going to be quite happy for him to be the man that sees through this transitional period until they decide what to do. Obviously, if he wins every match <laughs> to the end of the season or close to that and has a Solskjaer-like effect, there's going to be the temptation to give him the job. But I think because of all the people now in place in the hierarchy at Arsenal and like it's people's literal jobs to like find the right person to fill every position... 
that he won't get it. And I think that he'll be quite happy to probably go back into the background. But he's got big ambitions and he's apparently a real believer in, him, in himself and what he's doing, even though he was uncertain earlier in his career. Um, let's wait and see. I mean, let's see if you do get the immediate response that Arsenal fans need, first of all. Sam, we're going to throw that forward to you then. I think the the next logical step for us is to look at people who are possible Emery replacements and at the next long-term head coach, manager of Arsenal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I'd like you, I suppose, to rank your, your top three contenders. And I think it's probably good to preface this with we want them to be realistic. We want them to be available. And I'm sure there are people that you would have liked to have put in this list that don't seem like you know, sensible contenders right now almost. Yeah, we have to draw a line here and talk in realistic terms, for sure. Um, look, Eric Ten Hag, Brendan Rodgers, they would be amazing. It's not going to happen. Not at this stage, not with Arsenal in the Europa League. Rafa Benitez is another man I think would be a great fit, but also I think we, we basically have to rule him out at this point. So my three, I think, are realistic in terms of they could be appointed now. Arsenal would be able to attract them and they would be interested in the job. At number three, I've got Marcelino. Okay. So seemingly sacked from Valencia earlier this season for basically being too successful. <laughs> <laughs> in the weirdest I mean there have been some weird sackings this year the Emery sacking is not weird yeah. Marcelino's one was bizarre I mean he won the Copa del Rey and the owner seemed furious about it so he was looking for any chance to uh, to get rid of him ever since that, that trophy was hoisted again just very very strange and when he was sacked the players had a little mini revolt silent protest because they had to go and do uh, they had to go and do media duties ahead of a, a European game, and they basically decided not to show up. So Arsenal fans will be a little bit familiar with him because they knocked his Valencia side out of the Europa League last season over two legs. I think it really was genuinely just the case that Arsenal had superior attacking quality in that game to get them over the line with Aubameyang. That was the only reason they won. Marcelino is tactically very savvy. He coaches a very kind of flexible four four two and. He's done it with Villarreal, he's done it with Valencia, so consecutive fourth place finishes with Valencia, consecutive top six finishes with Villarreal having, having, having got them promoted. And once he'd left, obviously they dropped like a stone and battled relegation, so that, that tells you how important he was. He'd need a, he'd need a this is going to sound funny, he'd need a, a Francis Coquelin style midfielder to make this work, because he bought Francis Coquelin off Arsenal. He needs a destroyer in there, he likes a physical presence. If it's not him, it's Kondogbia, he sometimes plays centre-backs in midfield, to so make sure there's some steel to that midfield, which is obviously what Arsenal lack right now. I think something that's really interesting is the fact that you've just pointed out a 4-4-2. Yeah. Weird, Arsenal have two really good strikers, and, yeah. and maybe would benefit from playing them both through the middle in a system that... You know that suits them, and we talk so much about the the variables in formations. And you know that I'm a firm believer in Croatian three four three threes and all of these things. But actually, getting a a manager who could fit Lacazette and Aubameyang up front together, working off Pepe each on other, yeah, just seems to be something that Arsenal are crying out for. Yeah, they've been crying out for it ever since they they bought Aubameyang. Because yeah. you obviously you you're always sort of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole if you're putting Aubameyang wide or dropping Lacazette into a number 10 role they're very good players so they can they can more or less do it but you're not getting the most out of that potentially amazing attack absolutely and Marcelino could be the man that does that and the, the team would be balanced on the other end too he makes sure he has that destroying midfield because he needs that steal to back it up he also gets the fullbacks extremely involved inside runs and overlapping runs and I think Arsenal have the fullbacks to make that work Agreed. so Marcelino for me is, is someone they absolutely have to look at in at number two is Nuno from Wolves 
uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. I just love the fact that his name is Nuno Holy Spirit. Nuno Holy Spirit. That's what's, the that's actually a cracking the, name. That's the, that's the only reason I've got him on this list. On to number one. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we saw quite a lot of reports the other day linking Nuno to Arsenal um, before Emery was sacked. And Dean, I wanted to ask you how much of that was true and how much was in that. Yeah, there's definitely something in it. He's he's one of the people that they've been pursuing. I think there are problems in terms of. Um, compensation and things like that of getting him out of Wolves and onto a contract at Arsenal um, you know one of the reasons I said before now that they wanted to cling on to Emery was because they didn't want to pay him compensation so you know how much they, they care about that kind of thing um, and there's also no guarantee you know if you're going to pay money to get someone like Nuno out of, the, out of his club and then into yours you saw with Marco Silva like it looks fine at the time. You're like, okay, you just pay it because he, he is a really good manager and that didn't work out. So if it didn't work out, you suddenly look even more stupid than perhaps giving Emery the job. So there are things to consider, but yeah, he's one of the names that they've looked at and um, I think they've got to consider anyone with as good a pedigree as he's had in the Premier League recently. Yeah, so Jack, you and I saw Wolves in action a couple of times this year. Yeah. FA Cup games, they beat Liverpool and they beat Manchester United. Both times we walked away from Molyneux thinking, yeah... Wolves are really good. Yeah, we were yeah. very impressed by them, Absolutely. weren't we? And one thing that we talked about at the time uh, that really impressed me in particular was the way they set the tone for a game. Basically, when you play Wolves, you play on their terms. Yeah. Unless you're talking about a Man City who will just dominate the game. Wolves, if, if, if Wolves give you the balls because they want you to have the ball, if you're playing in your third or their third or the middle third, it's because Wolves have dictated that that's what they want to do. They set a really aggressive and controlling tone. And yeah, Arsenal probably don't have the personnel to do that right now. But with a transfer window or two, I think Nuno is the kind of player, sorry, the kind of manager um, who could actually install the kind of game plan that Arsenal probably want, Arsenal fans probably want. I do have to question how much of his success is linked to recruitment. And the recruitment, as we know at Wolves, is not it's solely down to him. There is a certain super agent who was heavily involved in recruitment at Wolves. Um, but then useful, yeah. Arsenal have their own front office and have their own group, their personnel group, who are supposed to be taking taking care of this, don't they? They have they have a front office mm-hmm. who have who have been put together to actually make the transfers for him. So it's also reasonable to say that he wouldn't be in control of that. It's just about whether he gets the players that he wants. But that tone that he sets. And the style that Wolves operate with, I'd like to see that at Arsenal, and I think it's something they're crying out for. To I be think honest. also that blueprint would translate really nicely. The Wolves blueprint. I think something that Nuno gets not enough credit for is the way that he adapted his four, two, uh, his five-two-three in the Championship into a five-three-two, bringing an extra player into midfield to stiffen them up in the Premier League to yeah. you know to really start to to counter. And I think that. You could almost translate that five three two onto Arsenal right now. Like we say, gets the most, the best out of two attackers, gets the best out of two wing backs who who really can bomb on it and cause damage in the final third. Yes, like you say, I think they'd need a little bit of recruitment in the middle of the park if yeah. they're going to try and use that kind of tone. But on the whole, that's a, a map you can see working out quite nicely at Arsenal. And the the five at the back is something that Emery actually experimented with a little bit, but not in the same way in terms of. If you want someone to play a wing-back system, you need to have someone who's committed to, especially in the way Wolves do, playing very attacking football mm. with it. And Emery couldn't do that and couldn't get the five at the back to look like it was particularly you know, positive or, or, or good at the sharp end. Mm. And Nuno's 5-3-2s absolutely do that. Yeah, absolutely. And with the, with the 
the concern over the fact that they would need to recruit a, basically a central midfielder. That is the case for any manager walking into this job. So it's not something you can really say, oh, no, it wouldn't work because Nuno doesn't have the right players. Look, whoever gets this job needs two or three players, particularly a holding midfielder. So I don't think we should be ruling, play, ruling managers out on that basis. Absolutely. But leads us to number one. I think the dream scenario is Max Allegri. Um, you might have to do a bit of convincing with him. I mean, uh, there's, there's but, reports today, and I was going to throw it to Dean, about him being interested in the job. Do you know how much of that has any basis, Dean? Is he really interested, or is this sort of rumours based around the fact that everything is going to be swirling around the Emirates right now? No, I mean, he's one of the people that has been sounded out. Uh, obviously, before you get a, a sacking like this... Same case with Pochettino leaving Tottenham and Mourinho going in there. Like that didn't happen overnight. That happened as part of a process. <laughs> it literally, it literally did. did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it literally did. But yeah, you're right. The point remains. It looked. It was a surprise to everyone else. No one at the football club. So yeah, Allegri's been sounded out already. There, the the problem for Allegri is communication. It's been the it's the biggest concern for them because that's what has been Emery's big flaw. And they they can't possibly put themselves in a, a situation where that could bite them again. Obviously, he's he's got better pedigree than Emery, but you know it's a potential problem. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. But what I would say in, in that scenario is, um, and this is something that's gone back with Emery in particular in other countries as well at PSG, as we're told, um, when he tried to speak French, the players laughed at him, like. People talk about Emery as a joke figure, and Arsenal fans do. And we've even done social imagery where we, we've painted Emery as, as as the clown from Joker and things like that. But the, the truth is that he actually doesn't command that much respect with players. And we've seen that at s- several jobs now. And when he actually makes the effort to communicate in, in, in the native tongue, it doesn't really go for him. For some reason, he doesn't carry it off. He doesn't have that authoritative presence. And with Allegri, he, I'd be terrified of Allegri. Yeah, he's like a really strict headmaster. Extremely stern. I mean, like, good, good man-manager, good with the players, knows when to, to press on and knows when to, to step off as well and let things breathe. And that's a really important mix. Tactically, obviously, very well drilled. Not the flashiest football, but does get results and would get results with this team. And the communication thing, you're right, with, 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 uh, with his inability to speak fluent English, yep, it's going to be a slight issue in some places. But I think he actually commands enough respect for that to not be too much of an issue. And we've obviously seen loads of co- coaches come into the Premier League and not be able to speak t- too great at English. Pochettino is a shining example of that at Southampton initially. He was great. It's not always a barrier. It's about the personality that you exude. Agreed. And the command that you have of a room and how much of a leader you are. And... Allegri and Emery are night and day in those scenarios. And that's why Allegri is the perfect, I think, the perfect appointment, realistically speaking. Before we get on to players, which I'm going to ask you both to to give me a player that you think, one player that you think Arsenal need to sign in the January window or or would be a brilliant addition to this squad, whoever is in charge. Um, Freddie Lundberg has just tweeted, however long I oversee Arsenal for, I will give everything I have to put smiles on faces again. We have a busy few weeks ahead and the team needs your support. Let's get to work. Mm. It's just sort of, I think it's indicative of exactly everything you were saying, Dean. This is about getting people back on board, getting the harmony back within the camp, fans, players back on side, everyone back on the same page Mm. before a new era begins in the 
you know, in the There's a good sign well. that the tweet didn't begin with "say something like." <laughs> <laughs> so he's even he's even written it himself. Um, good lad. I think it's also though worth pointing out that Carlo Ancelotti's been spoken about a lot, and I think that that's really interesting um, because so many people are saying they want to see out this season. A lot of stuff could open up between now and the end of the season. There's Ancelotti. There's possibly Tuchel. Um, there's the whole situation at Man United and they're, they're going to go after someone. Bayern Munich are currently looking for a manager as well. So there's a lot, going to be a lot of competition. It's The manager market is going to be crazy between now and the summer. Yeah. And Arsenal have got a little bit of a head start on it, but they've got to get it right. <laughs> if they, look, if they, I was going to say, they, if they're waiting for the summer, I know someone that you wanted to talk about but we thought was not a feasible option at this point was Marco Rose from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah. If Arsenal wait to the summer, that option is... Pos- I, I would be far more like willing to suggest that that is a plausible option in the summer than it is now where he's three more, four months into his Gladbach contract. Yeah, the truth is my initial top three had Marco Rose in it and Jack told me that that's probably not the greatest shout because he's only, he's top of the Bundesliga with Mönchengladbach and he's only been in the job four or five months. And it's a fair point, so I took him out. But if what Dean says is basically transpires and they, they get more time, then Marco Rose, after one year, using Gladbach as a stepping stone, absolutely on the cards. Absolutely. And he's, we, we, we talked about Gladbach in previous podcasts. They play extremely exciting, direct, counter-pressing football. He is brilliant tactically and seemingly brilliant as a man manager as well he and his assistant have come through the Red Bull tree they've overachieved everywhere they've been and he is the hot property really that some some big club somewhere is going to take the gamble on and I use air quotes for that because it's not a gamble no. his talent is not in question it's just about taking the plunge right we did some interviews last night and I want to hear from the Arsenal fans around the stadium that we spoke to basically around the, the mood around the camp what they want to see from their next manager they were all really happy they were very sad and there there is a segment in the middle of this where we were in the pub having a discussion and we'll include it where the news came through Dean to you that you heard that Unai Emery was going to be sacked the next morning so that bit's I think quite quite interesting quite cool but we want to get their views but before we do I want to get your views on a signing or a couple of signings that you think Arsenal could realistically make and should make in the summer Sam I'm going to start with you okay I've got six players <laughs> you can't have six just name six. some of them no I'm going to name six um, you can tell where I'm going with this because I watched Southampton cut them to ribbons in midfield and I thought this is not good enough they need a sitter here they need some steel in midfield I keep talking about it and I mean it Dennis Zakaria from Gladbach, yep. Florentina Luis from Benfica and Wilfred Ndidi from Leicester are all very good but potentially unachievable. So I've got three more that are more, more reasonable. Emre Chan from Juve doesn't seem to be that involved. Was, was left out of the Champions League was squad. Was linked with Arsenal when he left Liverpool as well, yeah. wasn't he? Sander Berge from Genk I'm a huge fan of and Mark Rocca from Espanyol and of course the Spanish under-21 champion team. I think... Any of those players would make a huge difference to Arsenal. And the bottom three, Chan, Burge, Rocker, you can buy them. I think, uh, I love Mark Rocker, you know that as much as you do almost. But he, I, I do think Arsenal would be gambling on bringing in another young player into a midfield that, you know, has seemed immature and naive. And I'm not saying any of those things about Rocker's performance, but mm. to bring in another untested player, I think Emery Chan there is an underrated shout. Someone who's already done it at Premier League level, who's able to cut at the top clubs, maybe quite, you know, there's a lot of, competition in that Juve midfield the fact that he can't get into that squad is no massive indictment mm. on his ability no. and I think like you say he'd be available and that would be a very very smart pick up for an yeah. Arsenal um, have I used have I taken you had those six didn't you no I didn't have any of them um, <laughs> I'm not ruling anything out after what happened with Nicolas Pepe last time around um, <laughs> nobody lets me forget that one least of all us <laughs> so let's start with that I was going to say Mbappe 
Good chance. <laughs> More realistic. So I did actually write a piece um, a couple of weeks ago for like targets for the top six and what they're looking at. And at that stage, I was told that Arsenal are their top priority is a centre back, and then after that, they'll turn to look for a central midfielder, which makes perfect sense really. And the two names really that came out on top in terms of defenders were Upamecano, mm. um, absolutely fits the bill um, for. In terms of being gettable and being young, I genuinely think his centre back partner Ibrahim Konate is a better player. You used to be really hot on Ibrahim Konate, and you've gone off the boil a little well, bit, haven't you? I have, yeah. I've seen him. I've seen him ripped apart and exposed over the top a few too many times, and I can't tell if that's just a systematic problem with Leipzig under their previous manager, or it's a problem with him. But Konate shows, I think, better or greater raw defensive instinct, and awareness in the box I, pr- I do prefer him genuinely and I think he'd be cheaper just because the hype train hasn't quite set yeah, yeah. hasn't quite set off but up Meccano is a, you know he is anyway yeah he, so. would be a, he would still be an upgrade yes, a massive he, upgrade yes he would yeah, yeah for what they've got at the moment Meccano from Leipzig is definitely doable um, they've been scouting for a year also Maria Demiral um, oh, Turkish yeah. defender at Juventus was only signed last summer and just is not getting a look in. And I've been speaking to someone quite close to this, as I think trying to leak out. That's the player not particularly happy now. And obviously is going to be patient because he's at Juventus, but like his patience is already starting to wear thin because chances really are that limited. Even with Chiellini out with an ACL, he can't get a game. Yeah, exactly. And like, so Man United are interested in him as well, though. But um, Arsenal have been asked to be kept up to date with whether he becomes available. So they're two options that I think are being looked at and are realistic. Very good. Well done, boys. Well, let's hear from the Arsenal fans. Let's hear from the people around the stadium what they thought. Obviously, this comes before the Emery sacking. We asked a lot of them to throw it forward about what they were looking for in their next manager and what had just gone wrong for Emery over this whole tenure. How are you feeling, mate? Uh, in a way, I'm not really surprised we, we lost tonight. I thought maybe we'd get a draw. It's just it's not looking good. There, there's no the, the, the guys are all over the place at, at the back midfield again. He changed it up quite a lot. He played a Bamiyang for the full 90 minutes. Very surprising. Pepe was nowhere to be seen. Bellerin was nowhere to be seen. Um, just there's no coercion or tactical awareness or communication on the pitch. I think I think he's got to go. Uh, he's had enough time to show, try and show some improvement in the club, and he hasn't. Um, he, he seems to be going backward. He's a bit clueless. I, I don't think he's he's a bad coach. I think he's tried his best. It's a, a little bit of a poison chalice in a way, and um, you know he's had enough time. And I think the writing's on the wall for him. Sometimes jobs just don't suit people, and I think that when you're coming in on the back of Arsene Wenger and as many years as he was here, look, it's, it's always going to be hard. And what do you want to see now for Arsenal? I mean, you've lost so much of your identity in the last few years from the end of Wenger to the beginning of Emery like what is the one thing that you want back at this football club I just want want an identity really like um, passion and and a way of playing football and we haven't had that in a long time we've been trying to work out after since you know the glory Wenger days where we played such attractive football we've been trying to work like build build a team from scratch which Wenger did with the young people coming in Ramsey and the like and he was you know he was getting somewhere and all of our players left and he had to rebuild again and now we just don't really seem like we have any kind of stamp on our football and we need someone who's going to come in who's going to be very defensively um, disciplined and a, man, a very good man manager I, I've heard a lot of rumours about Uno Espirito Santo I think he's a, a 
a great fit for Arsenal. He plays attacking football, but very disciplined at the back as well. He'd be a very good fit. I just think Emery, I could see where they were going when they appointed him. But yeah, the communication isn't there. And there's a lot of problems on the training ground. We need to start building again and creating identity. I'm not going to re- renew my season ticket. Yeah, I'm exactly. paying like £2,500. Seriously. And it's shit. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's bollocks. I'm joined by two American chaps. What's your name, guys? Aviv. Harrell. Brothers. Yeah. And you flew in just for this game, right? Unfortunately, just for this game, yeah. Let's throw it forward. Emery. It's, it feels tenuous at, at best. What are your feelings on the situation? I think he's lost the locker room, uh, honestly. I mean, the players play in lackluster fashion. There's no passion. There's no fun in the game. He's going same thing in and out, in and out. I just don't think I just don't think he's a right fit. And I, there's a point where you move on, and he needs to move on. Wasn't that point like three weeks ago, or was it, was it tonight? Well, well, you we don't need to rub it in. To be watching, uh, <laughs> we were expecting to watch Allegri's first game right now. So. Hoping, to, hoping to. OK, so what do you want to see? So, like, what do you want to see actioned at the club? What steps do they need to take? I mean, I think, first of all, we need to play with a lot more discipline. Uh, players stay on the ball for far too long. There's no communication between the players and the connection between the defensive line, which is half non-existent at the moment, and the offensive line. There's basically no midfield and where you're at the point where you're just lobbing balls forward it's a waste we have good enough players I don't think we need transfer activity we really don't we just need a coach that knows how to use the players we have like we have Nicolas Pepe who we bought for a fee that you can't even imagine and you don't see him out on a pitch when we're losing 2-1 to a team that's not even top 4 in the Bundesliga in a completely wide open league right now Fact. Yeah, we're hearing a lot of that outside the stadium, aren't we? We're hearing a lot of Amory out. Um, yeah. You say that the midfield is non-existent. Yeah, I struggle struggle to find an Arsenal fan who doesn't love Matteo Guendouzi. So how does that tally up? I love Matteo Guendouzi too. He's an awesome player, but he lacks balance and he's young and he's still got to learn. But we don't have a holding central midfielder that can possess the ball and move it from side to side or from box to box. We need a Patrick Vieira or a Bastian Schweinsteiger or some sort of controlling midfielder, and we don't have that presence today. Is there one in particular that catches your eye? Like, In all honesty, you need, you need a player. Sebastian Rodi, for example, is a good example only because he's realistic for Arsenal, given our uh, current ownership, let's say that. And he moves box to box, box to box. He's physical. That's the kind of player we need. If we can find a younger prospect than Sebastian Rodi, who I believe is like 29 at the moment, that'd be great. But a player like that is perfect. So, Georgia, you are a long-standing Arsenal fan. Tell us how long you've been coming to the game. 15 years. I come every game with my dad. My granddad was brought up in Highbury, and so Arsenal threw him through. You've going for 15 years. A lot of Wenger. Now you've had yeah. Emery. As it stands right now... Emery, if Kroenke's willing to pay the compensation, is on the verge. Like They're talking about him leaving within the next few hours. How does that make you feel, and how do you sum up his reign? I want him gone. We'll have Potch come in. We'll absolutely smash it. We'll get Champions League, but Emery needs to go. What has it been like to be an Arsenal fan this season? He literally killed the game for everyone. I don't want to come anymore. I've literally had a season ticket for about 16 years and I don't want to come anymore. I hate him. That's pretty strong. For our listeners that like watch Arsenal, like even support Arsenal, say from America, from Asia, from Africa, wherever in Europe they might be watching Arsenal games, they love Arsenal. Don't 
feel what it's like to be at the games? Like you're there every single week. Can you tell us and give them a sense of like how things have changed through the last few years? I literally on Saturday I left at half time. I've never ever left a game early. I will sit there till the end of the game, last dying minute. On Saturday it was shit. And I was like, no, do you know what? I'm leaving. So I left at half time. So we're in the pub now we've moved it started to really pour with rain and people started to move on and I think the initial anger that we heard in quite a lot of those outbursts has has given way to a sort of sorrow almost sadness here people are kind of resigned to their fate in, in, in many ways and people are quite happy to speak to us off microphone but when you do try to talk to them and say you know do you want to do an interview it's almost like leave me to my grief and I, I think that's the kind of mood that pervades the place despite the pumping tunes you can probably hear in the background the the mood is very sort of reflective in here and i think it's a case of almost who who's next where do we go from here and and whether we've seen emery's last game tonight or you know it it comes at the weekend or it comes next week I, i think it's more as the last days of emery and it feels to sound more kind of like you know sad and reflective rather than you know, Emery out right now this second. There was there was shouts of that outside the ground, but ultimately people are just like, it'll happen at some point. It's a question of when it does. Yeah, you say the word sorrow, which is uh, bang on, I think, in terms of assessing the mood. I'd also throw another word there, which is resignation. I think there's a certain amount of resignation outside the stadium and in this pub. You, see, you look around, you see little clusters of people, like groups of three or four people. Um, they're all sort of hushed together. Um, none of them are happy they're all discussing Arsenal they're all discussing potential replacements we've overheard little conversations and little pockets of people uh, asking well what do you think about Eddie Howe uh, you know what do you think about this guy what about Allegri you've got, you've got fans asking other fans the exact same questions that we ask each other most Wednesdays everybody is looking forward it's almost as if everybody knows something but you're right there's no anger here there was a bit outside the stadium but Sorrow and, and disappointment and resignation are, are the three words I'd use for this pub in particular. And I would imagine it's the same in every pub in, in, in the area. I reckon we found a really sad pub. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like everyone else everywhere is like ranting and raving. That's what I expected. I've got to be honest. Like, even though in the stadium it's so quiet and there was just a lot of passion lacking and people didn't actually seem to care that much inside the ground, but... Because of all the reaction that you see around Arsenal on social media, I genuinely thought that once you got outside of the stadium, it would kind of ignite and like people would be like, get him out, like almost expected chanting outside the ground. And it hasn't happened. And I guess that this has happened a lot of times this season. Like, yes, we're the three of us are at this game and we're like, oh, Emery's on the verge. And I'm like, they've, they've thought that probably 10 times this season already. And it's probably just starting to become the norm. So they are just waiting for him to go now, and I think that he obviously is going to go, and that'll be that. But yeah, looking around now, there's literally like people, there's quite a few people on their own, sipping on pints, just really reflecting and like, what has our football club become? Because for such a long time, they really did establish themselves as one of the giants, not just in English football, but in European football. And it's so hard to get back. And they will get back. There's no doubt about that. It's a long way back, though. It takes it takes years. Arsenal, Sam, looking forward. What is it that you think Arsenal are lacking that they 
you know, perhaps had when they were one of those giants of the English game. This Emery side lacks any idea of what the head it's supposed to be doing. I think we saw that tonight with the second half when they were forced to attack 2-1 down. They didn't really know how to go about it. Um, I don't think that this team knows exactly how it's supposed to defend. I don't think it knows how it's supposed to operate in the possession phases. And I don't think it knows how to attack either. Now, after a year and a half, if a team doesn't understand the instructions its manager is telling is telling it, that's a massive problem. Dean's eyes have lit up like he has something to tell us. Dean, talk to me. Literally while Sam was talking, so like there's... On Twitter, Arsenal Fan TV say Unai Emery will be sacked in the next few hours. So I sent a couple of texts around. The reply I've just got back from one person says, uh, being judged on game-by-game basis, but feeling is he could easily go in the morning. They've decided to get rid of him. It's just a matter of when that's going to be. So Unai Emery's done. Like, there's no point talking about ifs and buts anymore. Like, it's like what happens now. And I think that we already had a hunch that that was going to be the case. But right now is like Unai Emery's leaving Arsenal and it's like, OK, so what happens next? It was really strange, wasn't yeah, it? The weird. whole evening was actually just very, very odd. It wasn't, like you said in the piece, Dean, it wasn't toxic. It wasn't angry, although there were, you know, immediately outside the ground, there, was a, there were flashes. There were a few flashes, But yeah. it didn't ignite in the way that you said. And, and it just felt like everyone was just resigned to, at some point, this is going to end and then we will, then we will start to do this again. But yeah. until that point, it was over. Well, that, it has ended. Yeah. It's over. They all got their alert this morning and no one was surprised and everyone was probably like, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, very strange, very strange. As we said, in the pub afterwards, little groups of three and four congregating, murmuring. It's kind of like attending a wake. Yeah, G- genuinely. A little bit, yeah. It was a little bit like being at a wake and, and no, one, no one particularly... Felt a bit bad approaching people because, like, people just yeah. like you felt like you were like, don't know, invading their privacy yeah. some way by like they were all talking about what we wanted them to talk about on mic, but they didn't want that to become it was public. Like an, an invasion of grief almost. Yeah, it was, like, it was, just it was leave so me, strange. leave me it to was, my yeah. morning. It was, and, and fair play, like you can. Yeah, you I feel a little that. bit like yeah, we just turned up with a microphone and one of the dark days of your football club like yeah. sorry lads but, but we did get some people to talk to us and we did and also like obviously swept probably under the under the carpet a little bit here with regards to what happened after the game um the night itself was also weird because frankfurt weren't allowed any fans yeah to attend the stadium and they managed to sneak about a thousand in somehow which was about um, which was about half the attendance quite quite a, quite quite a, a number of them maybe another thousand or so were marched towards the stadium with a police escort which is standard procedure for an away uh, collection of fans moving turned out they all the had stadium. tickets by the way right <laughs> so and they stood outside the uh, the Emirates Stadium and they waited for the Frankfurt bus to arrive when it did they set off flares and welcomed their team because they're very proud to play in the Europa in the Europa League and, and to come and play in London as we as we met some actually against when they played Chelsea in the semi in the Europa League's uh, knockout stages last year they were in the pub with me and Jack and they were so proud and they were crying their eyes out weren't they watching their team play against a, a like a Premier League team in a European competition yeah. they all stood outside the Emirates let off flares welcomed their welcomed their team 
it nearly ignited there as well, to be fair. There was a little bit of trouble. A couple of Arsenal fans goaded them and there was a bit of a human rush towards them. Police line held it. And then we saw something really strange. This is where we were trying to get into the media centre to try and get into the game. And they went into lockdown because the security were so scared. Uh, two of the two of the guards were actually arguing with each other about locking the door or not, and Jens Lehmann was stood there. It was all very weird. Trying to get into the game, probably working on a broadcast crew or something from Germany. Uh, I think with his two sons as well. I think they were there as well, and they were like, "Sorry, sir, we're not letting anyone in at the moment." And it was Jens Lehmann stood there, like, "Just, I think he's going to be fine. Just let the guy in." He and, was German, so maybe they thought he was a yeah. Frankfurt ultra I trying mean, to break yeah, his way ve- through. Ve- very, very odd. But it, that's that sort of. It set a very strange tone for the evening. Sat there in the Emirates when it is legitimately half full, like twenty five thousand, twenty thousand people, mm-hmm. maybe so a third full. So echoey, so strange. It was weird. Little little chants starting up in different pockets and dying out within seconds. One person clapping and two people tutting and, and shaking their heads. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. But very, all very fitting for a final game. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting now to see, obviously, their, their next home game. You know, it will be packed. The energy will be back, you, you'd imagine, at the Emirates. And, and, and it will be so different to what it was like last night. And, and I think that that's, that's what Arsenal now have to play off. They have to use that energy. They have to use that kind of momentum to try and get themselves back in some sort of swing. And like you say, Dean, may, maybe Freddie Jungberg is the man to actually harness that and, and pour it back through the players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you're just looking for that uh, bounce back, really, and just to get everyone on the same side for once because the togetherness just hasn't been there, the connection between management and fans from the end of Wenger all the way through to now. So what are you talking, basically four years now, that it just hasn't been a harmonious place. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that grates on anyone. You know, I'm not even an Arsenal fan and it annoys me. Um, <laughs> so, like, let's have some joy back for Arsenal fans and uh, let's just see them enjoy some football at least see some good Arsenal football again because it's like whether you like him or not like the glory days of Henri and everything like the football was so good yeah. and it wasn't that long ago so you'd like to think that Lundberg can hopefully bring a bit of that back yeah. even if he's just showing off in training to the lads yeah, sub himself on <laughs> you never know great player by the way well thank you so much boys for coming in and doing this emergency podcast we had a feeling last night that we Not were going to be in here four weeks ago we had a we, feeling because well, we decided to go to that game and the Tottenham game it turned out to be Mourinho's first time match and, and Emery's final match at Arsenal so we've done okay this week yeah pretty mystic yeah. stuff from pretty us proud of that yeah. Yeah. lottery numbers ask and apply within yeah and if you're listening to this remember today is actually the last day to vote for us in the FSA awards um, it's still top of all of our Twitter profiles uh, so please do go on and vote for us it literally takes 10 seconds podcast of the year number 7 in the voting you scroll down you don't have to click on any of the other categories number 7 be our football ranks we'd massively massively appreciate it Thank you so much for listening. All's left for me to do is say thank you to Dean Jones. Cheers, man. Thank you to Sam Ty. Thank you all. Thank you to everyone that spoke to us after Arsenal last night as well and for getting involved. I've been Jack Collins. We will see you next week, Rank Squad. Thanks for listening. Take care. Peace. Peace.